We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode seven hundred and forty of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I'm a writer and editor for Packer Report, so you can find my work over there as well. I am incredibly excited about today's episode. For the past couple years, I've been lucky enough to be a part of a show here in Green Bay on WFRV called Green Bay Nation. The host of that show was Lily Zhao and myself and Marcus Ebersol from 107.5 and 1400 The Fan in Green Bay were the key guests. Uh, We had a ton of fun doing the show for the past two years, but little did we know that when we recorded our last episode prior to the 49ers NFC Championship game, that would actually be our last episode together, working on the show together. So uh, more on that in just a moment, but I thought it would be really fun to get the gang back together one more time and do a proper farewell. So joining me today are the incredibly talented Marcus Ebersole and Lily Zhao, both who have made some exciting moves over the course of the past few weeks. More on that in just a moment as well. Um, I'll start by welcoming in Marcus who is going to be flying solo from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday on The Fan with his new show, Better Call Eversol, which if you know me and you know how I love puns, I absolutely love that name. Uh, So Marcus, welcome back to the podcast. I know this is your second time on, first time with me, but welcome and tell us a little bit about your new show. Yeah, thank you, Andy. I I also I can't take credit for the name of the show either. Better call ever saw that was a a listener mentioned that a few years back, and I still for the life of me cannot find the tweet. 
I wish I could give him his proper credit, but yeah, I, I love it, so I'm excited about it. Going to have a lot of regular guests on, so yeah, I'm hosting solo for the first time, but we'll have plenty of people, I'm sure I'll have you two on as guests, and plenty of people we can rely on, and just talking about it, the, the goal of this all was to keep it local as much as possible. So now in one form or fashion on our two frequencies, we'll have local coverage from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., so I'm really excited about it. Yeah, it's a really cool format. I'm really excited about all the the great uh, lineup that you have overall, and, and of course, you getting your own spot from 2 to 4 is absolutely well-deserved and amazing, so congratulations. Um, of course, also joining us today is the one and only Lily Zhao, who is the newest sports anchor and reporter for Fox 6 in Milwaukee. Lily, welcome back to the show. This is your third time on, and congratulations on your new gig in Milwaukee. Hey, thanks, Andy. And like you mentioned, it was it's kind of crazy knowing that that last show we taped was the last one we do together, but, you know, it's exciting moves, and I get to still be in Wisconsin and get to hang out with you guys and still cover the Packers, which is phenomenal. So excited for the move, and, you know, this next chapter is going to be fun and excited to be chatting with you guys tonight. Yeah, as, as disappointed as I was when I saw the, the tweet that you were uh, leaving WFRV, as, as excited as I was when I heard you're staying in Wisconsin and still going to be covering the Packers and the Bucks and the Brewers, uh, assuming we actually get Brewers baseball once again uh, and, you know, things aren't postponed forever. So uh, congratulations. Just super excited for you. Thank you so much. You bet. So I appreciate you both so much for coming on, but if we're going to do this properly, I can't be the host. Of course, Lily needs to be the host because she's amazing at it. So Lily, I'm going to let you take it away from here and uh, we'll kick off the rest of the show. All right. Well, let's do it. And on today's episode of Green Nation on Pack a Day podcast, well, guys, a lot of recent roster updates. Obviously, the big one out of the Packers, Devin Funches opting out. Kind of, what did you guys think all this stuff, you know, with him and everybody else? I mean, they cut Madison. How do you think all these roster moves are going to affect the team moving forward? I mean, I, I guess we'll start with the obvious one that you mentioned, Devin Funches. I feel like, I mean, it was a shocker from the jump that Funches was the only addition they made at the receiver position this offseason. I mean, everybody pretty much saw that as their top need. And now they're going to go into the year basically with the same group of guys that they ended last season with. And I know that's been a hot-button issue, their wide receiver position going into the draft and free agency. And even after they signed Funches, the thought, I think, was, well, yeah, but that's not all they'll do at receiver. They're going to do more in the draft because it's such a loaded draft. Well, they didn't, and now they lost Funches. And I don't I'm first and foremost, not blaming Funches at all. I completely understand. And this is a really difficult decision a lot of players are going to have to make. I mean, if you're talking about, he mentioned his own family's experiences with COVID-19. How do you choose between football and your family? I guess you really can't. You're going to choose your family. And that's just, that's just kind of shedding light on what a difficult decision this is. But for the Packers' sake, I don't know how you look at that receiver position and don't still have questions, the same questions that you had to end last season. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Marcus. I think Funchess, of course, is the big name. You know, they're going to need something out of Equinemius St. Brown. I also thought the other one that stood out a little bit, uh, just kind of the news over the weekend, um, was Curtis Bolton, you know, starting off on the pup list. And I think that's really tough news for him. If you go back, you know, towards the end of preseason, it almost looked like it was, you know, predestined that he was going to be one of the key inside linebackers for the Packers. Uh, he ends up on the you know injured reserve list for the entirety of the season, and then really he comes back and you know personally 
personally, I would have put him with basically anyone else on that inside linebacker group, not named Christian Kirksey, to compete for that second inside linebacker spot. Um, and, and honestly, I loved his instincts. I love how he played the game. Even if he didn't make an impact uh, as a true you know, inside linebacker, I think he has a ton of talent as a special teams player. So hopefully it's something that's not long-term and that he's ready to bounce back uh, soon and can practice sooner rather than later. Um, hopefully it was more precautionary. But uh, to me, that was a, a tough blow for him as well for, again, somebody who I thought was really going to have an opportunity to compete for that spot. Um, and then I guess the other, you know, kind of from a good news standpoint, we, we kind of saw all these people, you know, some opting out, some having the, the COVID stuff, the pup list, and all those sorts of things. But I think it's equally as important that both Lane Taylor and Equinemius St. Brown, at least up until this point, um, were not placed on any NFL injury list or pup or anything like that. Both ended the season on IR. So the fact that both of those guys, at least for the time being, seem like they're ready and good to go, at least I guess that's one piece of good news for that wide receiver core. Exactly. Well, kind of going off that, though, I know Matt LaFleur talked about it today when asked, you know, about the wide receiver position. He said everybody's going to have to step up. So I'm curious, guys, you know, when he says everybody steps up, you have to think of depth, though. So, I mean, depth is going to play a huge part in kind of any role this upcoming season. So where do you think that benefits the Packers? And where do you think they're most vulnerable in depth? Well, uh, for the second straight question, I, I promise I'm not going to talk about the receiver position this whole episode, <laughs> but I'll, I'll just start right there. They, they are vulnerable at receiver. Now, does that mean that they absolutely need more at receiver? No, not necessarily, depending on how you know they execute the offense that Matt LaFleur is looking to run. They can get by and be pretty damn good with the crew they've got. Look at what they did without Devontae Adams last year through four games. But the likelihood of that happening again, I mean, again, Devontae Adams and then what? If something were to happen to Devontae, do they have enough? I mean, sometimes it may be overblown when we're talking about labeling a number one, a number two, a number three receiver. You can get creative and make up for a lack of depth, if you will, but Devontae Adams is the definition of a true number one. And if something were to happen to him, I, I don't know what they have that can step up for an extended period of time. So I, they're definitely vulnerable at receiver. And the fact of the matter is they tried to make moves at that position. At the trade deadline last year, Goody mentioned they were exploring some options there, making a move for a receiver. They just didn't see the value there, so deals fell through. They were in on Emmanuel Sanders. They ended up not getting Emmanuel Sanders. So they know that they've got a need there. They just haven't been able to do it. And the other spot, I think that they're vulnerable at, I would go offensive tackle as well. I mean, think late last season, Jared Valdir came off the street, and without him, who knows how the Packers' season winds down. Because when they lost Brian Bulaga in a key, pivotal moment of the season, Jared Valdir was there to call on, a veteran who had been there and done that. Now, after you lose Brian Bulaga and you have not re-signed Jared Valdir, you have some serious question marks at that swing tackle. So those would be two spots I think they're really vulnerable at in terms of depth, receiver, and tackle. There are some spots, though, that obviously they've they've got some good depth at, but I'm not the positive guy. That would be Andy Herman. (laughs) (laughs) I'll go through some of those positives. I think quarterback is really unique in the fact that, you know, they have a guy in Tim Boyle that's been in the system. He's gone two straight years. Of course, I'm not going to go a podcast without mentioning Tim Boyle, first of all. But, um, you know, he's gone two years in the system, has beat out Brett Hundley, then Deshaun Kaiser. Um, And and I I think, to an extent, you sometimes have value in the NFL until you prove that you don't. And I think he's just kind of a a unique wild card in the the fact that, you know, when he gets out or if he ever gets out there, 
Panarin has a chance to compete. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what he has. And then, of course, they just go out and spend a first-round pick on Jordan Love as well. So I think they have really unique depth that a lot of teams don't have at that quarterback position going into the season. Um, and then, of course, the running back depth is incredible as well. Um, you know, having you know coming off a season where you have both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams playing so well, and then spec- uh, spending a priority draft pick in the second round on A.J. Dillon um, really bolsters that. And that doesn't even include a guy like uh, you know Tyler Irvin, uh, Dexter Williams, who they spent a sixth-round pick on a season ago. So I think they definitely have some depth in some of those positions. I really like the depth in the secondary as well. Uh, kind of going back to what Marcus was saying a little bit, I think it's, it's easy and it goes without saying that if you lose your best players, it's going to be massively detrimental to the team. I think that it's obvious. But I think if you look at some of the really key spots on this team and the key players on this team, not only would you be losing a, a potential key player, but the next person up in some of those spots is just not even close to what the player that they'd be replacing would be. So, I mean, one, of course, if you lose Aaron Rodgers, and we just kind of talked about quarterback, but you go from David Bakhtiari to maybe Elaine Taylor having to kick to left tackle or an Alex Light or a Yash Nijman, I mean, yeah. the, the, ch- the change there at left tackle is insane. Defensive tackle, Kenny Clark, you would lose a Kenny Clark, and you go to Montrevious Adams to having to play like 50 snaps a game at nose tackle, that is a, a massive degradation in talent. Um, so I just, Devontae Adams, Marcus already mentioned, it, it's not necessarily that they don't have, you know, depth from two to six. Yeah, Alan Lazard, MBS, EQ, um, Jay Kumro, all those guys have shown that they can play in the NFL, but no one is close to being able to uh, to do and repeat what Devontae Adams is capable of. So it's not just that they're kind of, um, uh, you know, again, it goes without saying that if you lose some of your best players, it's going to sting the team. But the, the next guy up in a lot of those situations is, is kind of my biggest level of concern. Love the points, guys. And, you know, I kind of want to just touch on the rest of the NFC North here quickly. So, I mean, it wasn't just Devin Funches opting out for the Packers. I mean, we saw uh, earlier today, of course, uh, a couple of guys from, you know, former Packers, Ronald Allison, opting out for the Lions. But some big names, though, for the Bears and the Vikings here. Eddie Goldman and Michael Pierce, both guys on the defensive line, those they've opted out earlier in the week. So how much do you think that Goldman and Pierce not being there this season, how much will that affect the Bears and the Vikings this season? this season? I think, I mean, similarly, obviously those two played the same position, and I, I know Michael Pierce was a guy on the radar of a lot of Packer fans when free agency started. Big run stuffer. Basically, he was signed by Minnesota to be their new Linval Joseph, and this will really be the first year, I don't know, ever, that Mike Zimmer's defense is going to look remotely different because they've been able to retain all their talent up until this year, but yeah, Michael Pierce was supposed to step in and effectively be the new Linval Joseph. Well, when he opted up, I mean, they paid him, what was it, 27 mil over three years, something like that, a pretty penny to play a a pretty underappreciated position. It's not one that we talk about a whole heck of a lot. See Kenny Clark not being on the <laughs> NFL Network's top 100, which we'll get to later, I'm sure. But, yeah, I mean, it's I, I, with the defensive tackle position, I always think back to the Ravens in the mid-2000s when – you know, you remember how great their defenses were early on when they went to the Super Bowl and all that and won the Super Bowl, but then it's like they kind of weren't that good for a little bit. And I remember Ray Lewis saying something. He's like, I need some help. I need some guys up front. Basically, those guys eat up blockers, make his job easier. They went out and got Haloti Nada, and suddenly Ray Lewis started to look like Ray Lewis again. So, it's, I mean, it's no secret Blake Martinez was a better player with Kenny Clark in front of him. Christian Kirksey will benefit from Kenny Clark and Kenny Clark in front of him. I, you ask Roquan Smith or you ask Eric Kendricks, 
how they're going to feel about Eddie Goldman and Michael Pierce not being in front of them, eating up those big uglies and making their job easier, they're not going to be happy about it. So it's absolutely a loss. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Marcus. And I think, you know, you talk about the Bears. I think we are probably all on the same page in the fact that I, I don't think Chicago is going to have an explosive offense. Maybe they can improve. But I think if, if the Bears want to do anything um, that would really, you know, push them into the playoffs or an extended playoff run, to me they're going to have to have one of the top two or three defenses, if not maybe the, the best defense in all of football to really be a special team. And this is not to say that they're not still immensely talented, especially across the front seven. Um, Marcus, I feel like, you know, if Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack, and Robert Quinn, and either you or I uh, played along the defensive line, they would still have a massively good uh, defensive line. But I just think this takes away another one of their weapons on defense. And if they need to be one of those top two or three defenses in the league to be a special team, um, this just kind of handicaps that a little bit. And I'm right there with you in the fact that I think Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan are going to be really the ones uh, that kind of lose out. And uh, from the Vikings standpoint, this defense for Minnesota really went through a fairly drastic change this past offseason. They basically revamped their entire uh, cornerback position. They bring back their two great safeties. They bring back Eric Hendricks and Daniil Hunter. Uh, but for the most part, everything else has kind of gone uh, in a little bit of a different direction. Everson Griffin is gone. Like I said, they redid their entire cornerback position. And I just feel like you know bringing in a Michael Pierce was going to be kind of a way to solidify the interior of their defense and make one thing pretty consistent so that it's going to free up Eric Hendricks and Anthony Barr, um, that Daniil Hunter is going to be able to get around the edge and they're still going to have a player collapsing the pocket from the inside. This is just another major loss for this defense, and I, I think it's really going to hurt Minnesota uh, probably more than it's going to hurt Chicago, but I, I think it's a significant loss. Totally agree, and guys, kind of moving back to the Packers real quick here. I, I know a LaFleur again talking today saying that they're going to start off with a 90-man split squad and also with no preseason games, though. I mean, we're looking at the young guys who normally use that preseason as kind of a gauge uh, just to kind of show off what they what they have to make the final 53. So, I mean, who, which guy in the bubble right now on the roster do you think needs to come out and have a really good camp considering there are no preseason games for them to really show off their skills? I'll start with, I mean, it didn't take Andy long to mention the name Tim Boyle, and I'll mention his <laughs> other guy, Robert. I think Robert Tanyan needs to have a big camp. I mean, like if, if I had to bet right now and put my money on it, will Tanyan make the team or not? I would say that he will make the team. But when you look at the depth chart, he can't afford to have a bad camp, put it that way. I think going into year two, everybody expects Jay Sternberger to be the guy. I think in terms of a career progression, look no further than Jermichael Finley. And I know athletically they're not the same player, but – Still, Jermichael Finley effectively was a redshirt as a rookie. The only noise he made was when he complained about Aaron Rodgers throwing him a back shoulder ball, which is neither here nor there. But yeah, then his second year he took over and he became the guy. I think Jay Sternberger, a third-round pick, much like Jay Mike, didn't do a whole lot. Matter of fact, didn't do anything until the playoffs and he caught a touchdown. But I think going into year two, I've got high hopes for him. I'm confident he's going to be the starting tight end in his second season. Josiah DeGuara a third-round pick. Now, he does not necessarily play the exact same position. Yes, they both have TE next to their name, but I think they're going to get really creative with DeGuara, using him like an H-back, backfield, tight end, slot, doing different things. Total Matt LaFleur guy. But, I mean, those are third-round picks in consecutive years. They ain't going anywhere. However they pan out, whatever they do on the field, that remains to be seen. But they're on the team. 
Mercedes Lewis comes back on a one-year deal, I think it's pretty safe to say he's on the team, just from what he does blocking alone. And then you start to get to the bottom of the depth chart, and if anybody is to show out or impress, which might be harder for Tanyan to get leapfrogged than an offseason where you're not going to have nearly as much on-field work, but you're just playing the numbers game here, and you wonder, I mean, yes, if they keep four tight ends, very good chance Robert Tanyan makes the team. But for a guy that I think everybody has been pretty darn excited about his first couple years, I think now going into this offseason, it's, it's a little bit of a question mark as to whether or not he makes the team. And like I said before, he cannot afford to have a bad camp and then feel good about himself. Yeah, I think that makes sense, especially if one of the, the fullbacks really impresses. Um, I think that would you know potentially put him in jeopardy as well. I have to go with Montrevious Adams. I know I brought him up just a little bit ago, but I just think that last year they really felt comfortable moving on from Mike Daniels because they felt that Montrevious Adams was ready to take that next step. Uh, when I talked to Kenny Clark uh, right here on the podcast last season, he said the breakout guy on the defense was going to be Montrevious Adams. Mike Pettin, in a presser, mentioned uh, that he thought that Montrevious Adams was in – uh, for a breakout season, this was going into last season, and neither, uh, you know, neither of those guys unfortunately ended up really being right because it was a really tough season for Montrevious. He never was able to make an impact, wasn't really able to stay on the field. Um, I've actually heard people say that that was one of the main reasons that they moved to Darius Smith more as the over-the-center inside linebacker and played him more inside as the season went on because they felt like they needed more talent on the inside um, and they just weren't getting it out of Montrevious or, in a lot of cases, a lot of the other guys along the defensive line not named Kenny Clark. So uh, I think sometimes, I mentioned before, that you're kind of um, in a position where teams think highly of you until they prove otherwise. Uh, And I think last year, Montrevious Adams and Alex Light's another one. I think they were really hoping that Alex Light could take that swing tackle position. Uh, He wasn't able to, and they had to go out and, uh, you know, claim Jared Valdir uh, to really solidify that offensive line. And luckily they did because he was huge in the Lions and Seahawks games to end the season. So I think both those guys, both Alex Light and Montrevious Adams, unfortunately put uh, some not great tape on film last year. And I think it's going to take a really strong camp for both of them to kind of wash the taste uh, out of the coach's mouth potentially. Agreed. And I mean, let's go back to what to what uh, Marco said a little bit earlier. The NFL Top 100 list provides a lot to talk about, especially when there is no football on the TVs. Like Marcus mentioned, Kenny Clark, not on the list there. Devontae Adams at number 57. He tweeted himself and wasn't too happy with that number, and rightfully so. So in your opinion, guys, what did the list get right and what did they get wrong for the Green Bay Packers? Well, it's, a, it's so funny. This is like the top 100 list is like Madden ratings. <laughs> no one is ever happy. You know, like a player is never happy unless he's in the top 10 or he's a 99 overall with 99 speed, and we, we know the drill here. So I think they got more wrong than they got right. Now, a lot of it is subjective, and you just got to shrug your shoulders, call it what it is, and that's a list and move on. But I, I will say one thing I think they got right is that Aaron Jones finally got some respect. I mean, to think the guy could lead the league in touchdowns, do what he did last year, and not make the Pro Bowl, get left off that top 10 list by ESPN a few weeks back. I mean, it's like finally to see Aaron Jones come in at 33, and that's fitting, number 33 at number 33. And I mean, thinking about that from a numbers perspective, how many teams are there in the NFL? There's 32 teams, and if we're saying Aaron Jones is the 33rd best player, that's crazy to think. A guy 
to go from not even being on the list last year to 33rd in the league. So it's great to see Aaron Jones finally get some respect. Now let's see if he gets that new contract. What they got wrong, Kenny Clark. I mean, it's what a joke. I mean, seriously, you could you could argue that Kenny Clark should be the highest rated Packer on the list. And he's not even on the list, so that makes no sense. And then Devontae Adams should be way higher than 57. I just mentioned Aaron Jones, and it's great to see him get some respect, but he checks in at 33, Devontae checks in at 57. If we're truly just ranking the best 100 players in the league, Aaron Jones would probably have Devontae Adams ahead of Aaron Jones on his list. I I mean, there are not 56 players in the NFL better than Devontae Adams. But he did miss some time last year, and I don't know what we judged this on last year or this year. It seems like it changes every single year. But, yeah, in a nutshell, that's what I thought of the top 100. I will say thank you to NFL Network, though, because it creates great content because it ticks everybody else off, and then we can find that commonality and talk about it. Yeah, that's fair, especially in a season where nothing seems normal. At least this was one normal thing where everyone is still pissed off about the top 100 list, so I guess at least there's that. I'm with you a million percent. Kenny Clark is my biggest issue. Him not being on the list is is a complete joke, and a million percent should have been in the top 100. Um, To the the extent of, you know, when there were, you know, when they announced that there were six Packers that were going to be on the list, and then, you know, we were, I was trying to kind of narrow down who it was going to be. I thought there was a potential that Aaron Jones was going to get left off and that it was going to be Clark that was checking in in the top two on the list, not necessarily the other way around. So uh, not to say that Jones wasn't deserving, he certainly was, but that's just how highly I think of Kenny Clark. You know, overall, you know, I went back and I looked at my grades from a season ago. Um, in the, the my top six Packers in order were Zadarius Smith, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Kenny Clark, Preston Smith, and Devontae Adams in that order. And again, a part of that, as you mentioned, Marcus, was the fact that Devontae missed some time. Otherwise, he would have come in a little bit higher. But, um, you know, Bakhtiari, certainly deserving, even though he wasn't in my top six. He was right there, uh, right with kind of the, the bottom two with uh, Preston and Devontae on that list on my grades last year. But I don't have any major bones to pick outside of Kenny Clark. I think everything else was, for the most part, okay. Zadarius should have been higher, but I also get that that was kind of his one breakout season so far. And, and I could see, you know, usually it takes players a while to jump up that list pretty high if they haven't been on it before, which is, again, why it was so impressive to see Aaron Jones uh, skyrocket so high. But overall, nothing major other than the fact that Kenny Clark got hashtag snub. He got very big hashtag snubs. Well, guys, this is the part of the show I really love and really enjoy is that I get to ask for your predictions. So the first one I'm going to start off with is kind of give me a your 100% guaranteed lock. Is What's going to happen for the Packers this season? Give me that, that guaranteed lock in your opinion. Who wants to start? <laughs> I want Andy to start. Can I volunteer Andy to start for this <laughs> one? Yeah, you bet. I mean – I yeah, can understand. I, up with one here. I could I could understand why you'd want me to start because last time we made a prediction of who would be the head coach of the Packers, you know, I picked Matt Lafleur, uh, you picked Josh McDaniels, so I could see why you'd want me to start. I get it. Um, <laughs> but one hundred percent lead pipe block. I, I've I've got a couple. Um, well, I'll start with the depressing one first. I do not think they will finish 16 games. Um, that is my 100% lock. I hope that I'm a million percent wrong, and I'm hoping that uh, Marcus can find a way to uh, play this and make fun of me if I'm wrong. Um, that would be amazing if I was wrong on this one, but I do not think they will play 16 games. Um, the other uh, more fun one is, you know, there's been a lot of talk of, you know, what's this, the, the right side of the offensive line going to look like? Is it going to be, you know, does Lane Taylor get a shot at guard over Billy Turner? Does Billy Turner maybe kick the right tackle? 
tackle? Is it going to be Rick Wagner? Uh, 100% lock it in, lead pipe lock. Billy Turner will be the starting right guard. Rick Wagner will be the starting right tackle. I think Lane Taylor will be more of a swing player, and uh, I don't think there's going to be any uh, any idea of really kicking Billy Turner to right tackle unless Wagner were to get hurt, and uh, I fully expect that to be the starting right side of the offensive line. Well, I was actually in lockstep, Andy, with what you said right out of the gate there. The first thing I thought of right away was how I phrased it was my lead pipe 100% guaranteed lock is that the schedule will not be played 100% like it looks right now. Yeah. And whether, you know, if they play 16 games or whatever, I just, I feel like there's going to come a point where the NFL is going to have to make some adjustments and just logistically with the roster size and, oh, by the way, the sports, I I don't know, man. I, I know people are so quick to accuse people of others of being pessimistic when they shed any kind of dark cloud over the field. I'm just trying to be realistic. And I think of the the other day when we saw the Dodgers and who are, who are they playing? Uh, who are they? The Astros. Dodgers, Astros. And the bench is clear, but obviously in baseball they can't brawl right now. So it's kind of awkward. The, the dugout's clear, and they're just kind of standing there holding each other back. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, they are literally – preventing each other from basically lining up at on the line of scrimmage in a football game. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, that is every single play for 60 minutes once a week. And what, there's a total of 140 plays in an NFL game, not to mention you're actually hitting each other, not just getting, you know, within six inches to a foot of each other. It's so crazy. Everything else in the world or everything else in America right now, it's – you're cognizant of social distancing, you're keeping six feet apart, and then I just think of every single play, from corners and receivers to the O-line versus the D-line, the sport in general. That's a long-winded way of saying I'm growing increasingly skeptical that this NFL season is going to go as we all hope it will. I ultimately, I'll just make this long story short, I said that the Packers' secondary is going to be good. And I don't know how else to quantify it as far as interceptions or Pro Bowls, I, I just feel like Jair Alexander is going to have the year, this year, his third season, that a lot of people, including myself, thought he'd have last year. Darnell Savage has star potential. Adrian Amos and Kevin King are just good. I mean, if those four stay healthy, it's a 100% guaranteed lock. The Packers' secondary is going to be good, and you could probably go ahead and use a more flattering word than good, but that's what I went with. Love it. You know, I know, I know LaFleur was asked, or no, Gutekunst was asked today about uh, Tremont Williams and obviously his status with the team still up in the air. But, you know, I also do agree with you guys that I'm also very realistic in the fact that I do believe the season will start, whether it starts on time, we don't know. But do I see it playing a full 16-game slate? I don't see that either because, I mean, you look at the MLB and what's happening this basically first week of the season, and there's already outbreaks kind of everywhere. So, again, with how the sport's played, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes forward. All right, well, guys, give me one bold prediction for the season. All right. You go first on this one? Yeah, I've got – so this came up right away, and Andy, actually, I believe – I'll give you credit for the assist on this one because I do believe I first saw a tweet from you regarding Devontae Adams, his last five games of last season. Yes, I just called it up right here. His last five games last year, 44 catches, 610 yards, and four touchdowns. If you extrapolate those numbers over five games, over a full 16-game season, that stat line 
would look like this. 141 catches, 1,952 yards, and 13 touchdowns. Citing that, my bold prediction for this upcoming season is that if they play a full 16 games, Devontae Adams will have the most prolific receiving season in Packers history. Sterling Sharp currently has the team record 112 catches. Devontae would have broken that had he played Week 17 a couple years ago. Jordy Nelson has the team record for receiving yards in a season, 1,519 the more and more I think about the Packers' offense, did I think they would add more at receiver? Yes, I did. I have questions about their depth after Devontae Adams, but he is a true bona fide wide receiver one right now. There are not many, if any, receivers I would take over Devontae Adams right now, specifically in the Packers' offense. I think he is going to have a stupid good season in a good way. And the, the template I think you might want to keep in mind is like the New Orleans Saints, where they've got a couple different running backs. We saw it with Kamara and Ingram, and last year it was, to a lesser degree, with Kamara and Murray. They've really only had one legit go-to receiver, and it's Michael Thomas, and he just had arguably the most prolific receiving season in NFL history last year. I think Matt LaFleur and the staff is creative in getting their playmakers the ball. Devontae Adams is going to shred this season. Yeah, I think that's a great point about the Saints and how, how they've kind of gone about things over the past couple seasons, subbing in running backs, using their tight ends, using Taysom Hill, I guess. I don't necessarily know that Green Bay has that guy. Although they did just get the uh, quarterback, fullback, H-back out of Princeton, so maybe we can have some uh, Taysom Hill-type packages. But uh, overall, I love that that bold prediction. I'm going to I'm gonna go with the inside linebacker position. I mentioned earlier with Curtis Bolton that I thought that, that second spot next to Christian Kirksey is going to be totally up for grabs. I definitely think Raven Green still going to play that kind of dime linebacker role, but I'm going to strap the rocket a little bit to Ty Summers. Uh, he came on the podcast uh, with one of our other teams, so he's obviously got some good pack-a-day juju going for him so far, but I think he's going to end up making a big impact for the defense this season. I think he ends up getting on the field I think he can be uh, a tackling machine. You know, he spoke uh, pretty candidly about the fact that he knows that some of those missed tackles that he had in the preseason a season ago, that's not indicative of him. That's not like him. He thinks he's going to be able to clean that up. And I just think his athleticism is, is kind of through the roof. I think he's got uh, all the instincts to be able to be a, a you know playmaking inside linebacker in the league. I don't necessarily know that with Kirksey and Raven Green that he needs to be uh, a full three down you know pass defense uh, linebacker, but they need somebody to step up. And we know that Christian Kirksey hasn't exactly been able to withstand the rigors of a 16 game season over the course of the last couple seasons. So they're going to need somebody, in my opinion, to really step up. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that's uh, Ty Summers and that he ends up having a very big season for Green Bay. Love it, guys. I love the predictions. I love chatting with you guys. And unfortunately, we're going to wrap up the show. But I hope we do do this again because I, I seriously enjoy chatting with you guys and chatting Packers football. And, and like you guys, very curious to see how this 2020 season pans out. But it was a great show. So once again, for Marcus Eversall and Andy Herman, I'm Lily Zow. Thank you so much for joining us on this Green Bay Nation reunion on the Pack Bay Podcast. And as always, go Pack Go.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.